Wagwan brother. Oi, 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 so did you have a bit of a bit of a cough then? Honestly, it was it was the most manly stuff I've ever sounded in my life. <laughs> How are you doing, Dan? I'm really good. How are you? I'm good. You know what? But I'll cut straight to the chase. Um before we get into the football, um we haven't actually spoke since Liverpool have been crowned champions and I want to know how that's affected your life generally <laughs> um as bad as it is not in the slightest So don't get me wrong, I'm extremely happy. Yeah. It's amazing. And I think it'll hit me more when we get to lift the trophy. Fair. And then and at that point, it, it becomes real. And that, you know, the season ends, you're champions. Like, it's, it's it's great. I think what took the gloss off of it is that we got battered by City the next game. Well, that game was really... I mean, I watched the whole game and it was pretty entertaining. It literally looked like the Liverpool players were hung over. Like just watching, particularly Van Dyke, he literally looked like he had necked a few beers the night before. Whereas normally he'll be like, you know, his acceleration would be on it. He was just like, yeah, oh, I can't be bothered. <laughs> yeah, like Andy Robertson, it was the worst game I've ever seen him play. Yeah, I mean, he was he and went viral necking beers. <laughs> honestly, and um, Sadio Mane has no excuse because he doesn't drink. But that ball, when it came into him in the box and he just completely missed it. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. So I think that kind of took a little bit of the cross off of it, to be honest. I know it doesn't really matter. But at the same time, nobody wants to get battered, do they? No, but well, yeah, I mean, the grand scheme of things, like it's likely to be a record-breaking season again. And thus far, you've won every game at home this season. That would be another record-breaking achievement if you managed to win every home game by the end of the season. Um, so I mean there's so many reasons to be uh, happy as a Liverpool fan but oh, so many so many. what an unbelievable team it's funny that because as much as there's like more, probably more reasons to be happy as a Liverpool fan I can't help but feel Man United fans as we speak in this moment right now are probably even happier weirdly I think I mean you, you could potentially be right um, it's the first time they've looked half decent since Fergie left yeah, I, I genuinely cannot think of another time where we've looked this exciting as well. I mean, you know, funnily enough, we, we probably had a, a fairly decent season the season when Mourinho was in charge and we came second. But even then, throughout the whole season, it was never attractive. Um, and this is, without doubt, the first time it's been actually attractive. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm watching almost every Premier League game at the moment. And maybe it's partly because I'm a Man United fan, but... Maybe it's simply because we're playing the best football out of everyone at the moment. It's uh, all the games Man United are involved in. Bruno Fernandes is involved in. Mason Greenwood is involved in. Are the most exciting of this time. <clears throat> yeah, uh, it's it's certainly a very 
uh, strong team, but you're still. I, do, I still think you're so lax defensively. I think if you sort the defence out, you're going to be a serious problem. Mm. Um, if you carry it on, uh, I think the two things with United that always concern me um, is the defence. Because I still think, despite the fact that you spent ninety million on Harry Maguire, I still don't think he's that great. Interesting. Um, and the other one is attitude. Whether or not that attitude drops off again at some point. Yeah, I hear that. It's funny. This is exactly what they were saying about Liverpool a couple of seasons ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe Dan, what you're inadvertently saying is that we're a title-winning side in two, three years. That is not what I'm saying in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> you, the thing is, the thing is with um, Liverpool, sorry, with United, is that they've as good as they are. There's a there's a bar that has been set, mm-hmm. and regardless of all of all of the you know the the tripe that people say about the about what what you know this season this season should be asterisked and and all that and you know Liverpool didn't really have a challenge that's not Liverpool's fault mm-hmm. right anyone that they've been put any anyone that they've put in front of the bar what Watford mm-hmm. and so they've beat yeah and they are everything you want in a in in a championship winning side. You look. There was a tweet the other day, um, and it was about Man City losing to Southampton. Mm-hmm. And I think when did City play Southampton? Was that Tuesday? Uh, I can have a look on my master schedule which is in fact the uh, Premier League website premierleague.com they didn't pay us to plug that um, no it wasn't it wasn't it was when did Man City play Southampton that feels like so long ago yeah that was it it was Sunday oh Sunday the 5th of July yeah it was Sunday and a great stat read like a great thing read was that oh yeah Shea Adams Man Man, yeah, unbelievable. By the way, yeah, um, Man City played unbelievably well against Southampton. Had a lot of chances and should have won. Mm-hmm. Right, Liverpool weren't very good. Struggled to get over the line, but beat Aston Villa two 0 and that is exactly why we're champions. Oh, absolutely! I can think of opting times Man United have won the league and not played well. And that's it. Like, if you look, we get a lot of stick for our midfield because you know we don't quite rightly we do not have someone with the ability of David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, right? Mm-hmm. But you will not find a more industrious midfield that accomplishes that strike force so well. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, the creativity doesn't necessarily. Although our midfield chip in with a fair amount of assists and goals. That creativity from the wing backs means that the, there's not so much of an onus on the midfield. I, I think, in hindsight, selling Coutinho could have been the best thing you've done in the past couple of years. I actually, I don't think there's any doubt about it. 
because I mean that That's opened true. up the, the strikers to be themselves and you know that money funded Van Dyke and Allison. don't get me wrong I'd bring him back would you? yeah I would get him back interesting the because I think that as a as a technical aspect um, there's not much better mm-hmm. I think if he's on song um He'll split open defences and I think we'll score more goals. If he's on Song uh, Young Min. If he's on Song Young Min, yeah. <laughs> that was honestly I was twisting my melon. Twisting <laughs> my melon man. Um and the the whole aspect that he I mean, he would need to change his game. He would need to be um you know, his work rate would need to be, not that it was ever that bad, but it would need to be better. But he, because I think that's, that is what we're missing. We're missing someone that can thread a ball through from midfield. Hmm. We've got, you know, we've got Fabinho that's going to sit in front of the defence. We've got Jordan Henderson who, after watching him this season and last season, think he's still quite underrated. Um, It's really interesting you say that because I had a big long debate with a friend last night about Jordan Henderson he's he's quite a divisive player because I mean coming to the end of the season you've just said he's underrated a lot of people think he's overrated um, it's really hard to decide whether he's a good player or not where do you stand? Oh, I'm really on the fence because to, he's not easy on the eye as in He's not glamorous when he plays. He's not necessarily particularly fast or particularly strong or particularly skillful. There's not these standout attributes he has other than work rate. His work rate is, you know, un- undoubted. But I, I don't know. Is he like... He's in contention for player of the year this season. And I, I just... I can't help but feel he's not even in Liverpool's top five players this season. But it's I, I really I can't I genuinely can't decide. You'd probably know but you've probably watched him closer than I have. The argument came up yesterday actually. Let me ask you this. Like you know, back in the day when England had sort of midfield problems when they couldn't play Gerard and Lampard in the same team and they would have to push Skulls out to the wing. Does he get into that England midfield over Gerard, Lampard or Skulls? Is he better than them? No. So he's not a better player than them. But he would have been more useful in that midfield than one of them. Interesting. What 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 people what people tend to forget about Jordan Henderson, right, is no, exactly what you've said is correct, right? He's not the most glamorous, you know, he's not he's not the most skillful, the you know, the, the quickest. But like you said, he's he's industrious, he's got he's got a lot of energy, he's got a lot of stamina he is perfect for this Liverpool side Klopp likes to play a high press right mm-hmm. so as soon as that go past it go, goes past the front three and Firmino has chased him down Jordan Henderson is the next person that is chasing that ball down mm-hmm. right they want him to get in you know every every you know I think I think he wants to win the ball back within 10 seconds of losing it or something like that mm-hmm. right same sort of philosophy as Pep there is no there, you're not going to find many people better to do that right he's a half decent tackler right mm-hmm. <clears throat> and bearing in mind he does the simple stuff well this is what 
the person who I would liken him to is Michael Carrick. Not so much in the playing sense, but nobody, and, and nobody ever thought Michael Carrick was great until he stopped. I just think he's a better he version of Fred. Or, <laughs> but like Michael Carrick never got the plaudits he deserved until he stopped playing. And people realised that all them little bits that made United successful was Michael Carrick. Do you know what I mean? It was just, it was just the stuff that it, he made the easy stuff look easy. Yeah. And sometimes that's quite difficult. Mm. Yeah. And with Henderson, with Henderson in this, in this, you know, midfield free, right. There's a lot of running. His job effectively is to chase that ball around, get the ball back, play passes out to the fullbacks where our, where like I said our creative outlets are and then motivate yeah and if you watch Liverpool against Aston Villa that will show you exactly why Jordan Henderson is a good player because before that but while that game was playing there was no there was no temperament there was no there was no tempo to the game mm-hmm. Jordan Henderson comes on and he instantly closes down and everybody everyone on the Liverpool side goes yeah we need to buck our ideas up you know Skipper's out there he's chasing mm-hmm. it livens everybody up it sets a tempo for the team if that team as a pressing team doesn't have a tempo yeah it's not going to work it's like it's like and and forgive my ignorance it's a bit like watching Paul Pogba for instance right yeah it's probably a bad probably a bad example but with Paul Pogba he is for me the complete opposite opposite I thought you were going to compare the two no no so so I think he's a complete opposite in the sense of he if you had to play a pressing style, I don't think Paul Pogba would fit the mould. Paul Pogba is someone that is flashy on the ball. Do you know what I mean? He's got a lot of ability, mm-hmm. but he's not going to person that you want to start that press. So if you have Paul Pogba, as good as Paul Pogba is, if you have him in the system where your sole aim is to press the shit out of a team, it's not going to work because you need every man at it. Hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think you, you've highlighted something to me that I often take for granted when considering a player's ability. And that's the, the sort of leadership element of it. I guess maybe if you were to compare someone like Henderson to someone I'm very familiar with, would maybe be, please correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe a, a Roy Keane in terms of not being hugely glamorous, but geeing up the team in terms of his like leadership and his kind of mental and psychological impact on the rest of his team I remember yeah. there was a period maybe in the last couple of seasons where like Liverpool just didn't win without Henderson like Henderson exactly. had to be in the squad to activate everyone else and and exactly my point mm. what I would say just going off on a little bit of a tangent Will Keane's another interesting one because he doesn't get the plaudits he deserves for how good he was at football yeah, you know I mean, he gets the 
because he was a you know he was a um <clears throat> aggressive antagonist you know a brutal if anything it kind of takes away the ability that he had yeah I heard that. um but but yeah I think <clears throat> Jordan Henderson and Jurgen Klopp's system are made for each other and I think that's what makes Jordan Henderson as good as he is and the reason why he is in contention because as good as a player needs to be he needs a system that suits his game mm. and I think that that's what a lot of people forget I think Jurgen Klopp's system works because he has a Jordan Henderson I can tell you now, if Jordan Henderson was out of that team, if they if they got rid of that industrious free and had, um, oh, I don't know, uh, Paul Pogba, uh, who else? Bernardo Silva and Matic. Not Bernardo Silva, sorry. Um, shit up, Bruno Fernandes and Matic. No, no, I, I probably wouldn't. I mean, he looks like a bit of a chaser. Yeah. Um, but if you had so I mean if, pff, I'm just trying to think of Ross Barkley and uh, why don't you go Stephen Gerrard Anova <laughs> and who? yeah and another and the Stephen Gerrard yeah yeah <laughs> I don't think that that midfield will work as well as the, front, as the midfield three that we've got now despite talent everyone needs to buy into that do you know what I mean everyone needs to work hard and if you don't have hard workers in that midfield because that's the key area the key area for midfield is making sure that you can win that ball back and set off attacks they don't need to score goals midfielder scoring goals is a bonus it's not a necessity that's why you play strikers yeah, well, I mean, in Liverpool's case, your main striker doesn't score goals. Your number nine doesn't score goals. But it no. doesn't matter. And no one's hating on him for it. Any other number nine in the league is people are on their back if they're not scoring goals. But Firmino is the only one who plays for the championship winning team who doesn't score goals and no one batters an eyelid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's mad well, how that and works. It, and it all comes down to style of play. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you put Pierre Pierre McAbamiang in that front three, it's not going to work as well. Um, I want to kind of, sorry to jump the gun, but another player I find divisive, and this is sort of, you know, we'll go on to sort of teams in the relegation battle as well, but like, one player I find really divisive is Mikel Antonio. Oh, we had this discussion the other day, didn't we? Yeah, I watch him and I just think he's more yeah. attributed to rugby or American football. There's, He's just, his touch is very, very bad. Um, and this is another argument I had of someone as well. They said, no, he's great because, you know, every team needs it, not every team, but especially a team like West Ham, need a player who's just a nuisance. Defenders, like, can't stand him. His touch is not great, but it doesn't matter. He's just, oh, get out my face. You know, like a dog that's well excited. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I played with you now, but like, you're annoying me now. Just stop, stop chewing my ankles. Yeah. He's that kind of player. Yeah. And I think that what I, 
And the other thing is, is he has a lot of other attributes. You know, he's good in the air. He's relatively quick. He's really strong. You, I mean, me and you had a discussion the other day where you compared him to what well, you sort of, I think we spoke about him and Alex Awobi, didn't we? Yes, that was it. And I, said, and I said that I would rather have him in my squad every day of the week because for the for the, the ability that Alex Awobi might have over Mikel Antonio, it's never there. Antonio works for the team. So he's like, he seems to be the only player in West Ham that actually works for the club. It's at a time like this where they're like in a relegation battle, essentially. Yeah, exactly. He was largely responsible for that Chelsea win, I reckon. That win over Chelsea. I I don't think that you will find a... um, I don't think you'll find a a performance from Alex Iwobi since he started. And I'm talking all his games in our, all his days at Arsenal, mm-hmm. where he, I'd be surprised if he influenced the outcome of a match 10 times in his career. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Do you know what I mean? And so you can have all the bit, the, all the ability in the world, right? If you're not, if you're not influencing anything, if you're not doing anything, you're pointless. Hmm. It's like it's like a um I was trying to think of a uh I was trying to think of a, like a an, an a, a non football example of how pointless it would be but I'm just coming up with obscene things so <laughs> um it's just it's just pointless and I would every day of the week Michael Antonio is in my side well speaking of pointless um, let's talk about the relegation battle, the teams with the least points in the league. Um, it almost seems, I think even last time we spoke, we, we suggested Norwich are likely going down and it definitely looks that way still. Um, they need literally a miracle to stay up. Um, who do you think set to go down, Dan? Do you, do you see like the bottom three clubs being the bottom three come the last day of the season? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think Watford. I think Watford will get out of it. I think West Ham will stay out of it. And Brighton are too far ahead now. Yeah, I hear that. I almost feel West Ham will stay out of it, not because of their fortune, but because of others' misfortune. I'm just trying to see West Ham. What they run is like. See, West Ham Norwich tomorrow is going to be huge. I d- I don't know if. W- because Norwich literally need a miracle to stay up. They need to win all of their games. Um, and I just think it's it's too far to get yourself G'd up for. Do you know what I mean? No, like, if you've got a chance of like staying up, then you, you can get yourself G'd up. Like, come on, guys, we can do this. But I just feel like Norwich are probably looking at it and thinking, you know what, we probably can't. But the thing is, they could be massive party poopers. True. Go out with a bang, I guess. They give me massive party poopers. I ran around um, the London Stadium, uh, what was it, last night? No, a couple of nights ago, um, just to see if I could avoid the drop like West Ham. Um, there's a pun in there somewhere. There wasn't really a pun. I just ran 10k and uh, it's a pretty nice run, really. I like the fact that you, have, you, know, you put that in there. Like, I think the last time I ran 10k was probably in the room. In the room? In the womb. Oh, 
bruh, <laughs> that's that's a big womb. <laughs> There's a lot of room in the womb. <laughs> What do you make of uh, Newcastle of recent, Dan? I'm just proud that I said they were going to stay up and there was doubters. There was doubters. Um, and I think that Steve Bruce has done a better job than Rafa Benitez. I'm... And he's not being held. Yeah. And he's not being held anywhere near as much. He's playing better football. And they are... I mean, where, well, I'm trying to think. Where are Newcastle sitting in the league? They're 13th on 43 so, points. So they are... So they are 13th in the league. They are... How many points off the top 10? So there's, there's six points off 10th. I mean, pretty comfortable, aren't they? They're not going down. Well, of all the clubs around them, like the kind of glorified mid-table clubs who are always mid-table, you know, like the likes of Crystal Palace, Everton, Southampton, can even throw Burnley in there. Of all those teams, Newcastle at the moment, the way they're playing, look like the most, um, what's the word? They look like they'll kick on the most of all of those teams next season. They look like there's something to be excited about. St. Maxman looks Excellent. Almiron is settling. Even Joe Linton's sort of playing good football. It, yeah, I think they're going to climb the most of all the teams around them. I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think it's um, Maxman. He's excellent, isn't he? He's really, really good. He's just exciting. He really reminds me of, yeah. remember a couple of years ago, the sort of buzz around Adama Traore, maybe when he was at Middlesbrough. You know, he was really exciting, but he, he didn't really have end product. And he, you could tell he hadn't really adapted to the way of English football. But now he's there and now he's, you know, he's being linked with some of the biggest clubs around Europe. And I think St. Maximan has a similar sort of buzz around him. When he first came in, he's clearly got something, but he just hasn't managed to fit into his surroundings. And yeah, he's, everything goes through him and Newcastle's team at the moment. And it, good for him. I watched him at the Kassam against Oxford in the FA Cup. He scored the winner in that um, game, didn't he? Yeah, and he was just a game changer. Like, unbelievable. Mm. Pace, trickery, ability. You know, if he can home in on them, you know, on scoring a bit more, you know, assisting a little bit more, it'd be unbelievable. Even more unbelievable. I'm pretty excited <laughs> for Newcastle. Like, with this supposed I mean I haven't heard what the latest is but this supposed sort of takeover kind of putting them in that sort of rich club category it'll be really interesting to see what happens with them if they buy big players if they keep Steve Bruce um, you know because they're a big club and I think they deserve to be sort of high up in the league they've got a nice stadium you know the fans love them I mean I've never been to Newcastle but from what I hear the stadium is bang in the centre of the city so I can imagine, you know, the, it's, it's the people's club. Um, and I like yeah. I like people's clubs doing well because I'm a people person. Yeah. It's... I, I have, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Newcastle and I think that if they do, I think if they do have um, a takeover, I think Steve Fru should be given the chance to prove himself. Mm. But I don't think he will. 
Fair. Let's uh, move back sort of up the table. Um, there's a sort of race for the Champions League spots at the moment. That's pretty exciting. Uh, we don't currently know the situation regarding Man City and if they're going to get banned from next season's Champions League. So as it stands, fifth place could be enough for Champions League, but we don't know as of yet. Either way... Um, in the sort of running, you've got Chelsea and third on 60 points, Leicester just behind them on 59, Manchester United just behind them on 58, uh, and Wolves were sort of on the mark, but they've kind of dropped down to 52 points now. So it seems to be a three-horse race for the third and fourth spot between Chelsea, Leicester and Manchester United. And it definitely seems Manchester United are the informed team at the moment. So... um Dan, what do you what do you make of this sort of run for the Champions League spots? Who do you see getting it? I can see Leicester missing. <clears throat> I can see Leicester missing out. For real. Which yeah, which which annoys me because I'd really like him to <clears throat> I'd really like them to get that Champions League spot. Mm-hmm. Um I mean they've got Bournemouth away next, <clears throat> which I would be inclined to say that's a you know that should be a banker, but you don't know. Um, they've got Sheffield United at home. Mm-hmm. They have got uh, where's a uh, Tottenham away, and then they got Manchester United at home on the last game of the season, which is huge. So when you think about it, like this Champions League run is sort of in Manchester United's hands. I mean, I think so. I mean, I don't know who United's got. They've got Leicester, West Ham, Palace, and Southampton. Sort of, you know, not... Other than West Ham, it's hard to say the other clubs are really fighting for much. The the um, the amount of penalties you lot are getting at the moment as well, I reckon you're probably in with a show, aren't you? Yeah, I mean that's that felt like a slight dig. Never, never. As in, are you saying we don't deserve the penalties we get? You definitely didn't deserve that penalty last night. I'm conflicted on that, if I'm completely honest, because it was a situation where the defender was sort of clumsy and sort of lunged in when he didn't need to lunge. However, the impact wasn't... It's weird. The impact that was made didn't warrant a penalty. Essentially, Bruno Fernandes fell onto him. But because he had lunged, I can sort of see why it's given. It's like, you know, a defender sticks a foot out and you move your foot to sort of make sure you trip over it. The, the, The attacker has clearly encouraged the collision but because the defender's left the foot there, it's still given. It's a similar sort of situation to that. So it's I'm pretty conflicted. At first, I think that's not a penalty, but I can absolutely see why it's given. And I think Bruno Fernandes has played it smart. Do Would you be annoyed if that was against United? Well, again, I would be hugely annoyed, but I would understand why. I think that's that's it now. We have to sort of accept that you know, these smart, I'm going to call them smart attackers, know how to draw the foul. Because half the time players have not actually committed a foul 
until, like I said, you know, a, a defender puts their leg out and you purposefully run into it so you trip over and you win the foul. Just like See, I, I don't, Champions League last season, what's his name? Sissoko put his arm out. I don't know if uh, uh, Mane did deliberately or not, but even if he did, deliberately kicked the ball at his arm and it's a penalty. Sissoko didn't yeah. put his arm out to handball it, but the attacker's taken advantage of something being left out. But I know, I know what you're saying, but at the same time, you're... You, you said that Fernandes has foul into the defender mm-hmm. which, I feel, which I feel negates that argument because he is although defender may have lunged in there's not much contact and Fernandez has managed to fall I don't feel like and, and not just that I feel like VAR should be clearing this stuff up mm. like what's the point in VAR being there I thought VAR was going to make everything black and white it either is a penalty or it isn't and the Premier League have come out today and said every single one of them all three of them games yesterday the decisions about penalties were wrong what were the other decisions again? you had the Harry Kane decision that wasn't given against Bournemouth oh yeah 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 Um, and I can't remember what the other one was I can't remember the other one what was, it? what was it I think Southampton were they given a penalty that shouldn't have been a penalty I don't know but either way either way it shouldn't be happening this frequent I think generally the rules in football are, are still just pretty unclear like even in the game yesterday Bournemouth unfortunately would disallowed a goal because it hit an arm of a player five years ago that probably would have stood maybe I don't know but yeah I, it's think, just... the handball, I think the whole handball and VAR debacle is a joke yeah oh, I don't know I'm sort of for VAR still see I'm, I'm completely against it they just completely need to get it right the problem like you look at that Tottenham goal that was disallowed the other day where the defender Lucas Moura foul the defender booted the ball it hit his arm like he could not have done anything about hitting his arm he was falling over mm-hmm. it's hit his arm um, the players continued and then Tottenham have scored and they have disallowed the goal yeah <laughs> I, I don't know I just I wonder in a parallel universe if VAR never came in would we be moaning more or less about decisions? Because I feel when well, there's no VAR, then there's more, it's more likely to be got wrong. Me, me and you, me and you have loved football for what? Our whole lives, as long as I can remember. And how many years has VAR been about? Uh, when it came in, World Cup 2018 was the first time I remember it really being in. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? In the Premier League, this is the first season. I th- personally, I thought it worked perfectly in World Cup. But that but was because every decision, the ref went over to the monitor and had a look. They, they don't do that anymore. Like, I don't, think, I don't think it's needed because it's not used properly. Speaking of which, actually, on this topic, 
Arsenal the other day. Who are they playing? Uh, I can't actually remember off the top of my head, but um, Enketiah got sent off and I quite liked the referee went straight over to the monitor, watched it twice, thought, yep, I know what what decision I'm making, ran back over and gave a red card and it just something about it seemed so decisive and we had VAR, but the referee was still the one with the ultimate decision. I feel every other situation that we tend to sort of moan about or contest is usually a result of the referee not actually being a referee and referee just hearing in his monitor that's a penalty okay yeah they said it's a penalty yeah I'm giving it or they're looking at it and they're going to tell me once they've looked at it okay cool because that's what happened in the Man United game maybe, maybe if the referee went and looked at a monitor maybe he he surely of of anyone understands the rules so if he looked at the monitor maybe he could just maybe he could have decided ah yeah Bruno Fernandes did step on him and maybe it's a free kick the other way or I don't know so is that is that the issue that the referees aren't using the monitors I think it is I think it is because I don't know <clears throat> you are trusting someone that's not yourself to make a decision that you have to make mm. in what other walk of life does that happen um I was going to say a court of law, but not <sighs> a court of law. You kind of rely on witnesses and a jury for the judge to make the decision, unless there's video evidence. But anyway, this isn't a court of law. I get what you're saying. <laughs> like it's just a random. <clears throat> it, it's just random. Yeah, I think, but I think that we should get rid of it unless it's used properly if you use it properly I think it'll be fine but as long as you're not going to use it properly I wouldn't bother speaking of VAR actually because obviously VAR decisions um, normally add to the stoppage time come the end of the game or the end of the half another thing that's been adding to you know time at the end of the game the end of the half is these half halfway through half time they have water breaks what what do you make of this Dan I'm not sure it's, it's bothering me and I can't explain why um, I, I don't I mean I don't really get it I get it when it's hot I don't I don't get it at any other point um, they don't do it in the World Cup when it's the middle of the summer and they probably won't do it when they're playing in Qatar I imagine they will I, I think they will do it in Qatar they, they have done it in World Cups before I think they've done it in Russia oh okay I'll take that back then I think they did do it in Russia um, but I I, d- I don't get it when it's raining yeah. or, you know, when it's not very hot. Um, Maybe it should be a thing where you do, you know. I've heard it's a, a sports decision. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what I've heard. I don't know if it's because of the layoff that's been, but they're in full-time training now, so I don't really get it. Well, I guess if scientists say so, then, you know, they probably know more than we do. But as like a yeah. fan, as someone who's been relentlessly watching football almost every day, I find... You know, there have been games that I've been well into, just like eyes glued to the screen, watching everything that's happening. And then the water break always just interferes with my my sort of attention yeah. and momentum. And then suddenly that's the moment I look at my phone and randomly flick through Instagram. And then I look up again, it's the end of the half. And I'm like, oh, I've just missed 22 minutes because I was sidetracked because they had a water break. Yeah. Maybe that's my attention no, span. That's the problem, not the water break. I completely get what you're saying. Yeah, I'm just, just gripes. I've had a few gripes recently. Like, there's something about uh, Deliveroo drivers, Deliveroo cyclists in London. 
they're just ter- I mean I've, I'm becoming a my mom called me a mammal which for anyone who doesn't know is a middle aged man in lycra and this is because I like to cycle <laughs> <laughs> and with cycling you know I wanted to take it seriously I wanted to be streamlined um aerodynamic so I got some you know lycra I got an all in one sort of matching suit with the bib tights I look like the big show you know he has the strap over his shoulder and stuff so yeah I wear all the lycra have you got, have you got that stupid have you got that stupid aerodynamic hat like a helmet sorry yep uh, well what you mean the one that's got the tail yeah it's got a sort of tail but my helmet's really cool it's like a high vis one and then on the back where you sort of strap yourself in it's got a little rear light which is pretty cool. Um, You're one of them. Yeah. So I take it very, very seriously. I've invested in a nice expensive bike. You know, I obey the roads. Fortunately in central London, there's loads of cycle lanes. So, you know, it's clearly outlined how as a cyclist, you're meant to use the roads. However, Deliveroo cyclists just do not obey this and put everyone else in danger, including the customer who's ordered the food. Because when you think about it, if they're not obeying the rules and they end up in a collision, it's not just them that gets hurt or maybe the person in the car who's hit them that gets hurt. It's the food that is being delivered to the customer. So yeah, I just think delivery drivers, um, delivery cyclists need to, I don't know, just take a course in cycling safety. Do you think that it may be a reason as to why this is the case do you think that maybe they're under too much pressure to deliver it within a certain time frame like Amazon delivery drivers no because it's not that they cycle fast at all they're actually fairly slow I think that maybe the issue is that delivery drivers or riders I couldn't imagine and please forgive me and please if anyone's listening who you know disagrees um, please do get in touch but I don't I can't imagine a delivery cyclist who is a delivery cyclist because they want to be a delivery cyclist. So there's a load of employees who don't care about their work. <laughs> yeah, I just don't think they care about their work, so they don't care about doing it well. You have just insulted so many people. <laughs> I probably have, and this is a this is a personal vendetta I have because um, they just annoy me. On, on the I, I am going to say that I think this all of a sudden football chat has stopped and we're now insulting more people than we probably should I think we may I think we should maybe end it <laughs> I think we should maybe end it well I mean this is this is the first time that I haven't offended uh, Tottenham fans and you haven't offended Arsenal fans on the pod <laughs> oh my god it's the North London derby this weekend as well it is we haven't but maybe we should quickly speak on that they're both sort of they found, found, yeah, they found themselves in sort of mid-table spots this season. Gwen Doozy's a prick. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually funny, isn't it? Like the thing is, I I saw that Tottenham didn't register a shot on target against Bournemouth. You remember you spoke to me the other day, right, about anyone in my fantasy team that's facing Bournemouth, put them as captain. And Tottenham couldn't even put in a shot on target. Yeah, I I can't remember who I dropped, but I dropped a fairly decent player to put Lucas Moore in and he did nothing. I actually watched the game yesterday, Dan. I, I kid you not, it was one of the most boring games I've ever watched. It was so boring. And the problem was like, it was one of those games that like I watched from start to finish and the whole time I'm saying to myself, surely something's going to happen in a sec. And nothing yeah. happened. It was so crap. 
I mean, Bournemouth probably deserved to win. Well, oh. Yeah, because I think they had a penalty shout, didn't they, as well? They had a penalty shout and they had that goal that was disallowed from Callum Wilson. Yeah. Um, but I think it was really interesting because I watched that game and then straight after watched Man United, which was super exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, Arsenal... What, what and- I will, Go on. What I would say, though, the big thing about between Arsenal and Tottenham fans is that to Tottenham fans' credit, like the ones that I speak to know that they're crap. Whereas Arsenal fans are still most deluded. And this is the thing, I don't actually have an, a problem with Arsenal themselves. It's just their fans are just ridiculous. They, they, they're, the, they're the one set of fans that always seem to try and beat up on Liverpool and then fail to realise that they support Arsenal. Mm. And they're just, they're terrible. Like, like, you know, they, they get a couple of wins and Mikel Arteta is all of a sudden amazing. Like, that, there's that much mediocrity about their side. Yeah. And I can say this from a high standpoint because we're no longer shit. Right? So I can jump on my high horse. Fair. And you and you know as anyone that I went through the bad times with Christian Poulsen and Milan Jovanovic. But... Oh, yeah. What terrible players. They, they're just... They're just funny. Like, that's the thing. They're kind of just funny now. Because, like, like, Arsenal are a club with no direction. Like, they signed David Luiz on a one-year deal after watching him destroy them themselves against Man City. Yeah. Like, they signed Cedric Suarez on a four-year deal despite the fact that he didn't he hadn't played for them yet because he was injured. He's 29. Speaking of Arsenal players yeah. as well, I mean, of all Arsenal players, I think probably Aubameyang, few would disagree Aubameyang's their best player. Um, and considering that, Aubameyang, he's sort of coming towards the sort of latter stages of his career and he's won absolutely nothing yet. He hasn't really won a trophy and maybe like, a, I think he's won a German cup with Dortmund. But yeah. surely if you're Aubameyang or his his agent or whoever, then you're, you want trophies come the end of your career. So maybe it is very, very wise for him to move because like you said, Arsenal don't have no direction. They don't look like they're going to win the league in the next five years. And the next five years, Aubameyang will probably retire after that. So maybe he should leave. Yeah. I mean, Arsenal have had a fairly decent run of winning the FA Cup in the past. Um, I don't think that will continue. Hmm. Um, I can see they're not they won't win this season they got City they're not going to do it mm. uh, this season they're, I mean they're not going to win a trophy I can't see them realistically winning a trophy for a few seasons they need to clear up their defence they need to sign a hang down to a contract they need to keep uh, Saka who looks really good does look really good yeah I do like Saka um, that was it I dropped Saka out of my squad to put in Lucas Moura like an idiot yeah <laughs> and, and so he is um, so you know he's he's decent I just think that they are you know it's just not very good no they're doomed and, I, and I'm struggling like the thing is is like I said I kind of feel bad because I, I don't mind Arsenal like you know I've got a, a love a love affair with Thierry Henry and 
and you know how how they used to be mm-hmm. um but the fact that they're fans just think they're big time <laughs> I was just like I, just can't, I can't help but have a little smile on my face and it isn't and it isn't all fans by the way I must stress that it isn't all fans but Arsenal fan TV sets a bad president <laughs> I and do enjoy watching it to be fair because so only when they lose I, I mean they lose a lot yeah. and and there's some people that I know that are Arsenal fans that are just ridiculous they're just roast tinted glasses to a maximum so do you know actually I, I hope Spurs win to be honest because it's just another string in Arsenal's bow if they lose to a team that didn't create a shot against Bournemouth yeah I think um, Tottenham but one thing I will say one positive I will say about Tottenham is Sabias looks really good who's that? wait Sabias? He's he plays for Arsenal buddy that's what I meant sorry for Arsenal did I say Tottenham? yeah for, yeah Sabias looks really good yeah um, well, he's only on loan so he's going back <laughs> I don't really know where I stand I sort of prefer Tottenham to Arsenal um, for yeah, reasons I, I don't really know but um, I honestly I think, think it was because Tottenham uh, as bad as it is right and I'm going to offend Tottenham fans here right but the reason that I prefer Tottenham to Arsenal is because Tottenham were just growing up Tottenham were one of them teams that were just there yeah they were a bit of an Everton back in the day weren't they whereas you know they've come good and they've got some decent players and I think Poch you know made them look you know made them do really well and, and all that type of stuff they had a really good team the, t- the sides when Leicester won the league I thought that they were you know man for man probably the best team in the league one of um, but it- I yeah. think they've they've got that Mourinho curse now. In the last few years, especially, Mourinho has notoriously managed clubs who don't score many goals. Even though Mourinho yeah. made that statement like, "Oh, these players scored loads of goals for me," I think he's he doesn't really play like that anymore. And if you look at Tottenham, Tottenham aren't scoring goals at the moment, and they've got Harry Kane in their team and Son Heung Min yeah. and Deli Ali, who's like goal scoring midfielder, and Lucas Moura. They've got all these goal scorers in their team, but they're not scoring goals. Yeah, they, he needs to reinvent himself and quickly because he'll start running out of jobs. Yeah, I think so. Like, you really look at it and Tottenham are ninth in the Premier League. I was, I was thinking about it the other day and thought, rah, Tottenham were Champions League finalists last season. I swear there was a point. I remember doing this podcast with you and there was a moment in the season last season where the league was in Tottenham's hands. I think they were third, but because they were playing against City and Liverpool above them there was a moment where Tottenham had the league in their hands and now look at them it's a bit of a shame really they've moved into a new stadium I wouldn't say the league was in their hands I would say that they you know they were in a position to really challenge um, in closer gap I still think there was about nine or ten games left Um, but yeah no I get what you're saying I I think that it's uh, yeah, it's definitely an opener. Um, yeah, um, well, yeah, one, one other thing. One other thing outside of the Premier League is, you know, if anyone doesn't know, me and Dan are both from Oxford, um, 
and Oxford are into the playoff final, the league, uh, league one playoff final, which could mean championship football next season. They're playing Wickham yes, on Monday. Um, shout out Sam Walker. I know he's sort of from that sort of Wickham area, and we're going to try and find a pub to watch the game. And I'm going to wear my Oxford United shirt. And, Go uh, on the yellows. I was going to say, hopefully, we'll come over with three points, and then I realise it's not a points game; it's a cup game. Oh, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yellows. Um, is this? Just quickly, is this the you know the Sam Walker that likes second in our fantasy football league? Yeah, he's killing it, man. I've had a bad couple of weeks and dropped quite a few places. Yeah, man, I'm only... Oh, by the way, you're so bad that I'm only 15 points behind you now. Oh, really? That, I swear there was a time where I was nearly 100 points ahead. Yeah. The, Snap that. The problem with me is I keep taking players out just before they come into form. It's like the moment... <laughs> I just took Danny Ings out of my team and he scored again. And Rashford is just not scoring. And Wolves lost. And yeah, it's it, just it, not... If it helps, I need to see if I've got any. I might quickly do a transfer while I'm talking to you. I've got no transfers left. Oh, man. So that, that's my problem. I don't mind making more transfers and having to pay in points for them. So every week I spend like eight points on transfers that I don't really get back. Yeah. I think I'm going to go Danny Ings. You're going to bring him in? So instead of Jimenez oh, yeah Jimenez let me down Jimenez Traore and Rui Patricio I really thought Wolves they're going to get a clean sheet Traore will assist Jimenez all good mm. I had wan in my squad I thought wan will get an assist and get a clean sheet he got a clean sheet but it was the worst game I've ever seen him play he got a yellow card I <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, right so I think on that note Join our Fantasy Football League. PPBMXI is the code. Phonetics, please. Uh, Patrick M. Bomber. That's the P. Uh, Patrick Van Arnholt. That's PPB. Batty Stuter. M. Yeah, Modric. X. Oh, I always say Jordan Sakiri, but that's I can't think of can you think of any X players? Not X Jabi, Jabi Alonso. There you go. And I uh Ignacio Aspas. Iago Aspas. Oh, if we're gonna go Ignacio Abarque. Who's Ignacio Abarque? Abarque, he's an AC Milan defender who was the AC oh, Milan defender. He's a barking mad. Right, it's it's uh, it's nice to talk to you. I hope everyone enjoys. Yep, we'll catch and you soon. Catch you soon. Take it easy, bro. Bye, buddy. Bye.
No, but seriously, if you want to join our fantasy football league, it's uh, P-B-B-M-X-I. That's if you want to join a league full of really crap teams and you want to find yourself automatically in a high position just before the end of the season. P-B-B-M-X-I.